everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Skeptically Inclined Science Podcast. Uh, we're on episode 37. I'm Evan. And I'm Tom. Hello. And thanks for uh, listening to today's episode. Uh, on today's episode, I'm going to be doing the main story. I'm going to cover a topic about the, the opioid crisis in the US. Uh, and I'm particularly going to focus on the role that Johnson & Johnson played in it. I think everyone's very much aware of the Purdue and these other big uh, pharma companies, but I don't think people are aware of how much of a role Johnson & Johnson played. So I just wanted to, as we say, shine a light on it. And uh, I think it was an interesting discussion to have. So yeah, I think it should be interesting. Uh, and then for... Can I can I ask you a question before I, before I say what I'm going to do? Yeah, right? yeah. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, go are, ahead. Are you like... Are you sabotaging your future with pharmaceutical <laughs> companies by targeting them one by one yeah. and trying to highlight how shitty they could be? I'm actually, I'm trying to do the opposite because they, they'll hire me now and then <laughs> I'll, uh, because they, everyone thinks I'm really critical and then when they hire me, they'll be like, oh, maybe they're not that bad if they've maybe just changed his mind. Okay. So it's like, it's kind of a double, double negative Sorry. kind of okay. weird, w- way of thinking out of it. So it's oh, like I a reverse see. thinking of actually I'm going to help me get hired. <laughs> I'm sure everyone else sees that yeah. exactly the same way. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, maybe um, maybe I should just... Well, I don't know. It's, it helps that we're not very well-known podcasts. So I can talk about this without worry. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely an element too. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, what were you going to cover then? Last week I learned about two conditions that starts with A. But today I will talk about aphasia and not alloplasia, right? You're saying There's that a difference. Wrong. It's alopecia. Alopecia? Yes. <laughs> One is very much different to the other. It is very much so different. And I learned they're about very much two in the, of them. In, um, and at the moment, they're very much in the, the news um, for different reasons. One yeah. um, related to Bruce Willis and the other related to Jada Smith and the whole... <laughs> Getting slapped, getting slapped in the face. Um, yes, I don't think Do we you... need. I don't think we need to give our two cents on the whole issue. Okay, okay. <laughs> or let's. You can. No, no, you can no, I'll leave no, it open fine. to you if you want to. I, no, I'm, I think no. There is no point. I've no. seen so how how receptive everyone's been to everyone's opinion. So like, you don't have to worry about anything here. <laughs> I no. I suppose I don't have a. Yeah, it's aphasia. It's about Bruce Willis. Yeah, yeah that's okay. what I'm gonna talk about. Cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to clarify for people and yeah just as well before we go into it i just said i wanted to thank professor carol larue again for join- coming on our podcast last week or last time mm-hmm. it was a really interesting episode i hope you enjoyed it i think we got a lot of engagement from it so um yeah we definitely we might try and have a look into that area a bit more as well ourselves on the podcast so speaking about weight loss I weighed myself after that episode. Okay. <laughs> and uh, have I told you about this? No. <laughs> okay, so I'm over 100 kilos now. Did you have a weight scare? A little bit. And uh, <clears throat> I started, I stopped eating snacks because it was all the snacks, you know? Yeah. Like after like seven, after eight o'clock when you're just watching nothing and you just, just stuff in your mouth with snacks. Uh, is that the first time you've been over 100K? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I've never been before. Never. I was always like, at my worst, I was 98. Mm. 
and but like is it is it you're just building mass is that the as max says on i can't i can't use that excuse anymore <laughs> that like oh, i'm building mass because you from, are no you are fat, um, like you are doing what well, kickboxing so maybe you're just your no, legs are just gaining it's mass, not that muscle. it's not that it's fat i can i can see it like it's gross so i said to myself no more snacks yeah. and i started eating healthy i even had a salmon for lunch to work wow i'm yeah. sure your um colleagues were happy were happy to smell that <laughs> i eat alone and uh, <laughs> you eat alone anyways so it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter because uh, i need some tom tom time you know like time for me where i can just be with my thoughts and with myself yeah yeah and, and uh, with your music i'm sure it's actually i actually watch youtube oh you watch youtube yeah yeah no music um yeah so that was that, that, that was the scare i got like over 100 kilos so we just do that conversation made you like oh my god maybe a little bit but yeah. maybe it's not your fault no it's definitely you- mine <laughs> <laughs> i tried all of these things and it's all just coming back to me so yeah. i don't i don't know but nothing nothing a good discipline cannot you know good discipline can sort yeah, that out exactly yeah um do a bit yeah. of exercise keep and- uh, yeah and it, and i feel like if i said it out loud now I, c- I can't go back on my word like you know i have to be disciplined now because in like in in six months time i i can't be 100 and i can't be yeah. 120 it can go only one way and it's <laughs> down yeah yeah maybe we'll just go into the the new set line then uh-huh. yeah because i might as well try and keep this episode yes. compact we i think it was it was in the news like related to bruce willis it was Wednesday when he retired from acting yeah. when it was announced. I just uh, want actually to say because, yeah, he retired because of this uh, neurological is mm-hmm. it disease? Is that what it is? A disorder? Yeah, it, it's uh, yeah. You don't catch it out of the air, but it's mm-hmm. a it's a condition. Yeah, because I see. <clears throat> I know, but I just was saying the previous week, you know, with the Razzies, and they gave this like award for like worst uh, Bruce Willis acting. <laughs> Uh, um, movie because yeah. he's been in a lot of them and like they kind of were making fun and they didn't really know what was going on behind the scenes and then when he came out with it they were like oh we'll take it back I and I just said again this highlights cowards like, you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes yeah and... but like look it's too late like the milk is spilled like now we're just trying yeah. to be nice about it like yeah, it's you too... ruthlessly made fun of him I'm and sure. it's just so and happened like, it has been there has been rumors before this came out that there is like he does is suffering from kind of a, a neurological yeah. disease so anyway so like tell us what's what is aphasia this is the disease he was came out that he had it's an inability to comprehend or formulate language because of damage to specific brain regions and the major causes are stroke stroke and human trauma which is something that might happen to action star uh, actor and aphasia can also be result of brain tumors, brain infections, or other neurodegenerative diseases that are happening at the same time. Um, yeah, but stroke and head injury are the most common mm. um, causes of and, aphasia. Um, like you said, loss of communication, but like, does his intelligence? Actually not. It isn't affected. So, no, so, the mo- so I think these patients, as I was reading up, the, one of the most frustrating thing for them is that although they have the the train of thoughts correct in their head and the kind of in their head they know what they want to say 
but whatever for whatever reason the message they put out there it's either can people cannot be understood yeah. or they have to use very simplistic sentences to to, to pass across. over the message like you know to be to be understood there is a lot of um technology out there now that they can use like like uh apps and stuff that can communicate i know here in ireland there's a guy um charlie bird i doubt you know him but he did like a, a walk to he has motor norns disease but mm-hmm. he's lost his speech and he has actually um he worked with this company that helped because he was a reporter so he has a lot of uh voice or speech out there mm-hmm. so they're able to like use it to like help him build sentences so i wonder is that something similar i'm sure bruce willis could do um, i'm sure he has like the stephen, money, Haw- yeah. stephen hawken kind of situation i mean for, um, uh, without having to sound like a robot he actually could use his own voice because he has so much voice out there so if that's the case then it's still he's still i suppose i suppose it's not great but it's still a better yeah, I don't know outcome. what sort of form of treatment he will go f- for, but mm. you know, of like people do starts with um, with like a speech therapy with a yeah. with a therapist, uh, but you also other ways of communicate. They use other ways of communicating as well, such as gestures, pictures, or use of electronic de- devices. So this is um, this is one way to get around that, and of course, it depends. It depends on what form of aphasia you are experiencing because it's yeah. not just one disorder. There are like subcategories. For example, one of them is Broca's aphasia. And Broca's, Broca's it's a, the, the name of the scientist was Broca. So they just labeled this, uh, this aphasia after his name. Yeah. And it also relates to um, part of brain which is if you if you think about your head and you de- and you divide your head in half as the ear goes and yeah. you just make a f- front and back the broccus region is on the like kind of ahead of your ear on the left side of your brain yeah. and that kind of con- and that part controls speech but typically the broccus aphasia prevents a person from forming clear words or sentences but it has a little or no effect on the ability to understand order when they speak mm. so like they they do have a problem but they can as i said they can use simplistic words to get mm. to get the message across yeah. and the on the other spectrum of that is vernix aphasia and again the vernix region is located sort of behind your ear on the left side of your brain and people who suffer with from vernix aphasia they can't understand others or even themselves and when they when they speak, and as people with vernix aphasia speak, they typically feel as though other people should understand them, but they don't make any sense. They don't make any sense. Like they they speak complete like the like they use words that are like recognizable in the dictionary, but like the structure of the sentence and the words yeah. are are just yeah you can't you just don't understand. And this is like super frustrating because imagine even if you want to. Like get a message across but your brain inside your head is even confusing the words and and yeah. stuff like that so how frustrating is that how do you get it across yeah i wonder can you write it okay i don't know that mm. but and do we so we mm-hmm. don't know which one he has like no they didn't yeah i didn't really i didn't well i just it. wanted to use will smith, bruce willis <laughs> as a not will smith <laughs> yeah not will smith yeah, uh, Bruce Willis as just uh, an introduction to the disease. I wasn't really interested yeah. in looking what sort of uh, problems he's having. 
but you know it's um it, it, most if one of every three patients who have stroke stroke will develop aphasia yeah later in life and what i found that i didn't know before well i didn't actually know what aphasia is before but more people have aphasia uh, then have many other common conditions such as cerebral palsy, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, or muscular dystrophy. So there's more people with aphasia than with the other the, these other neurological conditions. And there's at least 2 million people in the USA with aphasia at the moment, and at least 250,000 people in Great Britain. Mm, wow. um, yeah, so I just, yeah, I mentioned the, the treatment and... Uh, because of, of course, sometimes the the stroke patients they they do experience it for a couple of months and then they kind of recover from it. Yeah, but can... I think the the more substantial and yeah, the more substantial the damage to the brain is, the lower your chances of well, like for him, it, it seems because like if it was just he had a stroke and then he got aphasia, then yeah. he might recover. But it seemed like he was fine and then he just developed it. So it obviously seems like it's. Uh, maybe it's when you just develop it does that mean it's going to get worse over time rather than someone who just had a stroke there's an explanation for it and then you can treat it whereas this one it just seems like it just came on yeah but and i'm it sure just, it's it had to have a reason mm. like he yeah no i know there was a reason i'm just saying it just seemed like there was something caused it to come on oh well, well yeah well he's he's making this uh low shelf movies that you can buy for like few quits straight to dvd releases now yeah, but, like he never announced oh there was this incident that caused it like it just seemed like it came on it could be him. accumulation mm. it's like you know like with the with the football players like you don't look for any particular impact that caused the development of cte you just say like throughout the careers how many times they bashed heads into each other and just and at some point it's just kind of came out uh, yeah but i just you know suppose what, I mean? what the point i'm trying to say is like it looks like his could keep getting worse um because it, it's a, a culmination and it just appeared in his life rather than yeah. one event caused it do you get what i'm saying yeah, yeah I, I i think i see what you mean yeah i don't know you i don't even know. know i don't know how how advances all i know is mm. that like he, yeah, he retired really. because of he yeah. announced that he has aphasia but i didn't look into yeah i didn't know i didn't i don't know anything about yeah. him well hopefully it's not too serious um like if it is the milder form it does sound like you could live and a normal kind of life for the rest yeah just that you need to uh you'd have a struggles with communication but there could be methods around that with technology now so i mean it's less of a burden if it happens to a person who has nothing smart to say right <laughs> are you including bruce willis in that no 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 i'm just saying like you know i yeah. don't know but yeah we feel sorry for bruce willis i suppose especially if if you uh, listen in bruce willis we yeah, feel sorry for you we have back. Get, let us know how you <laughs> just let us know what kind of aphasia you have and we can uh discuss i mean especially if the quality of his movies was because he was not able to read this the script properly <laughs> right you know i yeah. mean that's the that's the really like what can you do about have that have you watched really? any of his newer ones no. no, because yeah, he made all these movies released to uh, I don't know. Straight I never really like him that much. I just yeah. like I never. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's not really special, isn't he? Well, I think Die Hard is. 
already yeah, but like, legendary movie that uh, yeah, but like you always be known for and Pulp Fiction as well. I would put um, Harrison Ford over him uh, as a movie star. I think so. Okay. Look, anyway, we're not I, a movie. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So aphasia, you can you can really communicate. You take the you put the words the wrong way in the wrong order, and so far. The, the treatment is like, as you said, language therapy, uh, some linguistic therapies, um, and, you know, gesture, pictures, some sort of use of electronic devices, not as not as much kind of uh, pharmaceutical solutions in terms of like small molecules or, or anything like that. I think they don't know that yet. Okay. All right. That was good. Uh, so if you hopefully you understand now more about... Bruce Willis's aphasia diagnosis. Um, right, yeah. So I'll, I'll move on to my main story then. Oh, it's all yeah. Just to you're such an investigative journalist. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> well, I always want to cast. I suppose this isn't. I just. I suppose being skeptical of Johnson and Johnson. I just kind of wanted to highlight it because I thought it was an interesting role they played, and no one really ever knew about it. So. Uh, that's why I just thought it was an interesting to discuss on the podcast. So hopefully you do too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I was reading. Yeah, so I, how I got interested in this was I was reading an article about how uh, drug distributors. So um, that was Purdue and these other uh, different types of drugs distributors, as well as Johnson and Johnson. They're going to pay twenty six billion as Americans biggest opioid settlement is finalized so it went ahead after being stalled for six months as enough plaintiffs have now agreed to accept the money offered in settlement of their claims so I think they needed to reach a certain threshold and that they'd be happy with the money that was going to be mm-hmm. offered and that how they much w- how much again so uh the three biggest US drug distributors will pl- together play up to 21 billion dollars Okay. over 18 years and manufacturer Johnson & Johnson will pay 5 billion over 9 years so I suppose that always the issue I think they were giving, they were complaining with Purdue because they declare bankruptcy so they can only cert- pay a certain amount but they reckon that they have offshore assets somewhere that yeah. they aren't disclosing um, <laughs> that's the big issue um, that's another speculation you're putting out there yeah exactly Okay, <laughs> pure speculation um, so seeing this about Johnson Johnson, it piqued my interest as I wanted to know how they were involved. Because, um, like, you, you've you never heard of their involvement no. either. No. Um, so I wanted to dig deeper and see what role they actually played and why they were involved in the settlement. So maybe I'll just explain what the opioid crisis and give some of the numbers to it. So opioids are a diverse class of moderate to strong painkillers, including oxycodone, um, which is commonly sold under the trade names Oxycontin and then per- Percocet. Then you have Hydrocodone, which is in Vicodin and Narco. And then you have Fentanyl, which uh, is just really deadly. It seems like it's causing a lot of overdoses at the moment. I won't go into it. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it's a strong, very strong painkiller as well. And they're synthesized to re- resemble other opioids, such as opium, opium-derived morphine and heroin. Opioids are highly effective for treating acute pain, um, but then they started to be prescribed to be used to treat chronic pain. Um, but this benefits was really queried because um, the benefits of actually so- solving the pain, which they don't know if they really do. There's very a lot of controversy about if it does. Um, 
if then benefits outweigh the risk of addiction and then overdose as well. Uh, and the reason the overdoses can occur is because these opioids have sedative effects uh, on the respiratory center of the medulla oblongata uh, and opioids in high doses pre- present the potential for respiratory depression and then causes respiratory failure and death. So um, the issue was that a lot of people got addicted and then overdoses and it, it was leading to a lot of problems. That's do only th- kind of been saw issue well dealt with kind of now. Do um, do you think that the that prescription of these drugs for chronic diseases was like major contributing factors for why people have become so addicted to it? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the thing, the what the benefits weren't really proven in any research, uh, and the problem is because they're so addictive. Like all you have to do is get them on the market, and then it'll just yeah. instantly take off without really if it is solving the problem or not it's really hard to study like in these situations so um and then the stats like according to the center for disease control and prevention 702,000 so like nearly three quarters of a million people uh, in the u.s have died from drug overdoses between 1999 and 2017 and at the peak of the crisis in 2017, more than 70,000 Americans died from drug overdoses and 68% of these were opioid related. So quite a high figure. Yeah. Um, so it appeared like Johnson & Johnson's role in the opioid crisis went largely unnoticed for years, um, likely because it was done through these subsidiaries. So they're like uh, companies that it kind of is an owner of, but like they're not directly, you wouldn't know they're directly involved in the in how the company is being run um so but it turns out that most of the these raw poppy ingredients used in the companies uh these subsidiaries sold in the u.s was grown on these tasmanian farms owned by Janssen, which is another subsidiary of johnson and johnson or i'm just gonna call it j and j yeah yeah uh and then the company was also accused of misleading doctors about the uh, addiction risk so how much of this was actually to blame on Johnson and Johnson, or how much was amount to be blamed on uh, doctors, subsidiaries, or oh, doctors, okay. I suppose, as well. So hold on. So you have a main company, and then you have the smaller companies that are linked to it. Yeah, but it's very hard to find that link, or is that well, link? It's not obvious. Maybe. Okay. That's so if way. you're not looking for if you, it, if it's not you looking might miss for it. it. Yeah, but I think if you looked into it, you would see. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'll go into details what these are. So, um. Uh, yeah, so the J and J they became the leader. Sorry, they became the leading maker of narcotics for popular op- opioid pills throughout the cultivation of poppies. So poppies are the way that you are able to get this. It's a chemical known as um, thebane. The poppies are involved in this cultivation of this. The they they actually involved in the morphine, but they're also involved in um, producing this co- uh, compound known as thebane, uh, which is involved in then uh further on in the pathway to make oxycodone so um they began uh this opioid production in tasmania or the poppy sorry the poppy growth in tasmania which is an island off the coast of australia Uh, and what happened was scientists in the mid-1990s they altered the genetics of thousands of plants of these poppies they to engineer a super poppy that was particularly rich in opioids uh yeah so it's super poppy it's like uh yeah. uh it seems all innocent but 
quite deadly. It's like a m- one big massive flower growing <laughs> in the field. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so though poppy plants have been cultivated in Tasmania since the 1960s, it wasn't until the emergence of J&J's innovative poppy that it became a boom crop on the island, one that would provide the world with the raw materials to make a wave of pain-killing drugs. Um, oxycodone and hydro hydrocodone have been synthesized by scientists as far back as 1920 but manufacturing them in commercial quantities has proven costly because the the output from traditional poppies wasn't that great so um you would need to grow a lot of them to to get the the yield that you want so this is why the development of these super poppies was super revolutionary so yeah, then in the mid-90s, this was uh, an invention by Tasmanian Algohydes. So this was a, one of the J&J subsidiaries helped to reduce the costs. Uh, so what, how they did this was they treated thousands of seeds with chemicals to randomly change their genetic information. And then the scientists made a poppy that had two special properties. First, the new poppy had this ample amount of an opioid known as thebane. Um, a biosynthetic intermediate of the morphine pathway from which mm-hmm. oxycodone and hydrocodone can be readily manufactured. And then secondly, unlike traditional opioid poppies, this poppy had no morphine, meaning that the purification process was simpler. So I think the issue was you couldn't, when when traditional ones, you have to do a lot more steps to separate the morphine out of the, from this mm-hmm. thebane to make sure that you have more pure a product. I suppose there is a risk if you do get them mixed together that it could have deadly consequences. So um, this meant it was easier to produce the T-Bane and the cost drop meant it was much more accessible to introduce as a pain medication. The The poppies then were ex- exported to the US where another J&J subsidiary known as Nor- Normaco they refined them into oxycodone and hydrocodone and the narcotics were shipped as white crystalline powders to the nation's pill makers. And then from the 2013 to 2015, near the peak of the US opioid production, the J&J subsidiary in Tasmania was harvesting thousands of acres of poppies and then this Normaco was manufacturing enough oxycodone and hydrocodone the two most abused prescription of opioid drugs to capture half or more of the US market. This was according to company documents. So while Purdue Pharma and other manufacturers are often linked to the opioid crisis, it was these two subsidiaries of J&J that were producing the narcotics in many of the abused pills. So wow. uh, if it wasn't for these production, then they could never have uh, developed this drug for like oxycodone for the yeah. market to be used um as normaco officials would later boast in a 2003 internal company presentation that the patented the patented high thebane poppy was a transformational technology that enabled the growth of oxycodone and documents showed that by 2015 normaco supplied 65 percent of the oxycodone, 54% of the hydrocodone and 60% of the morphine and codeine used by drug manufac- drug makers in the US market. So uh, they had like a some sort of margin of monopoly if they were like... Pretty much, yeah. Like yeah. if you wanted to get that good, that good stuff... Wow. You needed How much to go money through, did they make? To go through. Uh, I'd say they made billions Ridiculous. of this. 
uh, and yeah, as I said, oxycodone and hydrocodone are the most abused prescription opioids in the US, according to federal statistics, on emergency room visits involving non-medical use of pharmaceuticals. Um, so the development of the new poppy coincided with the introduction in 1996 of, oxy, so of oxycodone. So this is the really controversial drug that was being used for chronic disease. Mm-hmm. Um, this oxycodone-based pill that was widely abused as the addiction epidemic unfolded. So it was very opportunistic that this drug, that super poppy, just happened to get developed just as this Purdue Pharma became to manufacture it. Like, well, but they didn't. But they didn't. They didn't discover it by accident, right? They purposely introduced this genetic yeah, mutation. Yeah, it seemed like they were trying they, to get something. They wanted to, to find it. Yeah, they wanted to something that would increase the yields yeah. and give more pure uh, and more efficient, cheaper yeah. uh, production. Yeah, so it's not like, oh, it happened and we just benefit from it. Like you were like out there looking for it to make money out of it. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah so Purdue were one of the first co- major customers of this new product from J&J. And a former FDA chief went as far as to say to link that the o- rise of OxyContin would have not have been driven without Tasmanian alkaloids and super poppy. Without Tasmanian alkaloids, you wouldn't have the supply the way we had the supply. So I suppose the issue is, is like they're just supplying the product. Is that, are they really to blame Yeah. Uh, compared to like the company that are actually making it and maybe knowingly no. Yeah. Well, the question is, can you just pinpoint a single either organizations or person to blame or is it the whole mm. chain of command i think it's obviously um the the infrastructure in monitoring and like they they didn't do anything illegal uh and they were just allowed to get away with it maybe there should have been more proper checks in place to prevent yeah. this happening and there wasn't so like i can't really say anything was wrong um yeah, so they, 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 but the companies, they needed the farmers to grow the poppy. Um, they, like, they needed to incentivize it because it was risky and it's difficult to um, raise them to maximize their potency. So to reward them, the Tasmanian farmers who grew the poppy with the highest percentage of opiates per acre were offered like luxury watches and they even got flashier prizes such as Mercedes, like a Jaguar, BMWs, oh, wow. and then luxury holidays. And like, this was just a drop in the ocean, I'd say, for them. Like, they would just be like, oh, we'll just give them a little bit of money to help them increase the production. Probably compared- didn't even make a dent. Yeah, like, that wouldn't be anything to them. But like, they'd be like, oh, wow, they're actually offering it to us. Yeah. Uh, and just in case any listeners are wondering why Tasmania, they would grow this, um, you need a good climate to grow poppies because rainy climates will reduce the quality of the products. So you couldn't really grow it in um in like britain or ireland or, or anywhere that it doesn't have great weather um they did previously grow it on mainland in australia but the problem is is like there's a huge risk with uh uh like people stealing it robbing your crop oh i thought you're gonna pe- say kangaroos getting high or something That's, they, they said that does happen like oh, people, really they can get high on it and they can die okay. um because they don't know how to find or like their sense of direction is completely messed up this is what happens in tasmania they do have to fence it off but 
um, it's much more easier to steal or uh, like illegally try and um, yeah just steal the the product because you can it's on an it's easier to export. Whereas if you're on an island like Tasmania, it's harder to get this product off the island to somewhere else. Mm. It's easier to stop the illegal activities and like yeah. everyone they say in Tasmania there's very little immigration and emigration so it's easy to know if someone's coming in and you're like this is a suspect so um yeah it's hard to do something illegal so it's like i suppose there's better checks on um the poppies with how they're being grown um but yeah so maybe that's not that sinister this whole um what i've said so far like maybe they were just providing the Mm. the product it wasn't that sinister but one final issue that J&J had to overcome was that for decades, international and U.S. drug officials, um, which is the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Authority, they sought to stifle the global trade in illicit narcotics by restricting where poppies may be grown. So the U.S. in the 1981, they said that at least 80% of narcotic raw materials should come from traditional uh, producers, India and Turkey. I don't know why they chose these countries, but they obviously yeah. trusted that they were more legit so um while the regulation did not limit the total amount of narcotics imported australia imports and other countries into the u.s were capped at 20 percent. so uh, and this is known as the 80 20 rule so even before the super poppy existed it was argued against um this rule was kind of argued against because they said tasmania was a better regulated industry and opposed special barriers to smugglers um, but yeah, the hat, if they wanted to use the super poppy, it was crucial that they got rid of this rule because then they would have made an, wouldn't have been able to import as much as they did and they wouldn't have been able to make any profit. So they argued that this T-bane, this uh, compound produced by the super poppy, it shouldn't be counted under the 80-20 rule because while it was a narcotic raw material it was less prone to abuse and trafficking than other opiates so this was it was safer that's what they call right. it so the text of the 8020 rule did not list specific opioids such as tebane that should be counted under the rule so then in november 2000 a breakthrough came mm-hmm. um according to local press accounts and interviews and after lobbying by glaxo tasmania alkoids and australian government officials U.S. officials said that they were not counting T-Bain under the import rules. So this was like a major breakthrough for them because then they could uh, import it unlimitedly and they could freely flood the market with um, the poppy product. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, it was claimed actually under the federal form that actually it was J&J that did most of the lobbying. It wasn't really the Australian officials that were pushing it that much. It was the pharma company. Yeah, exactly. Um, so after this, Normaco began to produce greater amounts of opioids as its plants with the quantity of opioids produced more than doubled between 2006 and 2015 and allowed it to do this by lobbying the DEA, as I mentioned, the Drug Enforcement Administration, to allow it to increase their quotas. Uh, and this was partly due to DEA officials feeding the need to allow more opioid production to keep pace with the rising demand for opioids which was spurred by the massive marketing effect by market pharmaceutical firms, including J&J, uh, and they encouraged doctors to prescribe the opioids and for patients to take them. So even though they uh, claimed they weren't uh, involved in the producing, they were still uh, advising doctors to prescribe it um, 
and they were telling them they were always they were always they were always looking to downplay the addictiveness of the drug and said addiction was quite rare that's what they had on the well that's what was claimed to be on the leaflets it was like you won't get addicted it's fine so yeah yeah it's even though they weren't directly selling this oxycodone they were it was they were getting benefits if this was being addictive and it did get out on the market and so j and j was providing the pre-drug the pre-drug compound and then completely other unrelated pharma company was buying it off them and converting it into yeah but they would use it for their licensed products so in produce case they were using us for oxy they were using oxycodone i don't know whatever they were doing with it and then they'd advertise as oxycontin and then there's these other um drugs companies that were also using that raw product of oxycontin and hydrox hydrocodone yeah, as the, and, the raw material and by so, using money and i suppose like political influence they were able to lobby um to get make sure that their product was going to be more likely used right uh, to produce these drugs because and they, then and they could, sh- mm-hmm. yeah because they were able to bring it in in mass quantities then it was a better product uh, right and then they could they could make huge profits off it so uh, basically they were more concerned about being able to manufacture enough product to sell to their patients rather than asking the question do they actually need it the patients yeah yeah so but complete I, it's, disregard it's, it's, it's but like it, okay it's a bit suspicious that they were like they got most of it in and then they were like okay now we have a lot of it in once we get it out there there's going to be huge demand like I don't know how much I suppose they don't have to, it's not their responsibility they're just supplying the product maybe these other companies could be doing the checks for it yeah, but they but knew is it, isn't getting it, that- it out there would help them massively because I'm sure they knew it was there was an addictive effect to it and it would drive their sales from these subsidiaries so yeah but that kind of seems like they they purposely don't want to see the bigger picture of it yeah yeah um it's just like this is only what i do a b and c and i don't concern myself yeah. what what's the what's, what happens yeah. down the line yeah yeah but that uh, but like you can't that's not really an excuse isn't it i don't know yeah i don't know if you can really use that as a good enough excuse like oh i it wasn't my responsibility like they did what they did it uh, but like at the same time it's like the chicken and the egg could these companies have got to where they were without this raw poppy which they were massively trying to promote and increase in well it seems like they wouldn't be able yeah yeah it's like well that's what it's been ruled as anyways this is what yeah. they're going to pay off but like I, I yeah let's finish anyways um mm-hmm. so only in by 2015, did the U.S. government began to take more aggressive actions on prescription opioids, and so Johnson and Johnson opportunistically put their two poppy subsidiaries up for sale. So the proceeds amounted to 650 million for the Tasmanian alkaloids, while the sale of a rights of another opioid drug was done for one billion dollars. And after the sale of Normico and Tasmanian alkaloids. The DEA quota, quotas for coxycodone and hydrocodone underwent significant cuts, so they actually couldn't produce as much as they had been. 
Uh, and then this mentioned Tasmania, these quarter cuts led to the shrinking poppy fields. They ended up not using them as much and they diversified yeah. into other fields. But I did see there was a leaked uh, message that came out and they said, it was like in J&J, they're like, oh, good time that we got out of. And they were like, yes, smiley face. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> this is what, yeah, supposedly when they sold the companies, they're like, oh, we got out at the right time. They're like, yeah. <laughs> so weird so uh i have to give as well this is what johnson and johnson have said so i have to give their version as events so i'm not being completely one-sided but so the attorneys for j and j they said its opioid producing subsidiaries did not cause the u.s addiction crisis that they were heavily regulated and that such companies play only a peripheral role in the multi-billion dollar market for prescription opioids they said that every gram of raw material and active pharmaceutical ingredient that that the subsidiary sold was expressively authorized and strictly supervised by the federal government to fulfill quotas based on the DEA's evaluation of national medical needs. Their attorney but that's wrote, not a reason. That's not an explanation. <laughs> it also said that the new poppy was not a driving force behind the opioid crisis. And she, instead, she said... The increased supply of opioids was driven by domestic medical trends. Yeah, but you said it. <laughs> you said it up to work like that. You can't just they literally turning it around. Yeah, that's well. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, like we we didn't know what was going on. It's very like blaming playing ignorance. Like we didn't know what was going on. How would we have known? Like, but <laughs> yeah, it's you like do. A, you must have known something when oh, you did get that so law angry. broke. When you get that law remove the 80 20 rule to bring in a massive amount so you did know that it, there would be huge demand for it and like they had to know it was addictive yeah like, like the, who's running these companies five-year-olds that they have no idea what they're doing and they just got lucky to get half of the america high on opioids or we just we didn't yeah. know what we're doing <laughs> like how who can believe that <laughs> wow yeah. that makes me so angry because like this is they're not even trying to make a good excuse yeah, but they have no real, there's no, like, there's no real excuse for it. And it's yeah, just but they're like, not even trying. They know they will get away with it. <laughs> well, they did have to say they have the settlement. But, like, I still think, so, as well as the settlement, J&J have agreed to stop selling opioids and to refrain from lobbying on opioids and from funding third parties who promote opioids. It's also agreed to share clinical trial data under the Yale University Open Data Access Project. But... So yeah, so that and then they have to play the uh five billion over five over nine years. But like That's nothing for them. That's nothing for them. They made a billion in it by selling what was it? They made a billion in four nine uh when they sold that the the two companies. A billion and six hundred and fifty one point six five billion. That's ridiculous. Um, so and like this is the issue though, like um, I think they were. This was a. I think they had come to a settlement already with these opioid companies, and they rejected it. But because they were like they wanted a better payout, but it's like, do you keep rejecting it? And the the survivors or the families of the the deceased yeah. don't get anything, or do you just like settle? We'll get the money. It's just how far do you go to get yeah. them, to get off of them? I I do feel like it's a really crap situation that they're in. Um, I don't think there is a to... there is no win in here, right? No, like you can hardly right the wrongs that already have been done to the people. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's so, so sad. It was. It was a. I just thought it was a quite interesting the whole story how they had a behind the scenes role in this whole thing, and it, I know these these drug companies actually produced the like oxycodone, oxycodone, and all these. They had a lot. Uh, they were like really crappy what they did, but it, they had it, J&J just had an equally big role in it, and I just wanted to highlight that for people who are listening that. Yeah, they're these like no wonder people don't trust you with the the vaccines. Like you're yeah. so corrupt in certain ways, um, and I, I think it, the the US is just so such a mess in this regard. Like they really don't see it till it was too late, and oh. they should have had things in place that this couldn't have happened, and tracking what was happening as well, and who was actually behind what was going on like there was a there was a one company they weren't these companies working independent of each other they were working together so they were buying the raw material of j&j yeah this subsidiary of j&j yeah and then j&j sold the subsidiary when <laughs> just before the whole quotas got caught so okay they got out as they call it they got out on the on the, on the peak <laughs> yeah so they pay, um, I'm sure they made billions that they only have to pay a little bit out of that to get their publicity back again. You, it's really uh, weird. Like, would you ever work for, like, isn't it's weird? Like, it's I'm a job at the end of the day, no. but like, it's just like, yeah, these companies are just, can you really? I, I never wanted to work for pharma. Pharma companies. Never. Not even once has that crossed because my mind. It's just, even, yeah, their ethics are just all wrong. Like, it just even one like of sometimes. the. One of the professors that was assessing my progress, and we were just talking a little bit about what I want to do in the future and stuff like that. And then she's just like, oh yeah, I don't I don't see you working in the pharma like. And I was like, thanks, that's the vibe I'm trying to put out. <laughs> um, but hold on, okay, I found, the, I found the family. Because I'm still confused, okay? So I just need a little bit more clarification okay. here. The Sackler family. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay, I messed up there. <laughs> So the Sackler family, this, yeah. the, I I just call it. This is the opioid family, the mm. the, the the one that runs it in. They state. went. They ran. They were the owners of the Purdue Pharmaceuticals. Okay. Um. So what is the link between that family, their businesses, and the J and J? Is there any link between? Yeah. The two of them? As I was saying. Okay. They Purdue Purdue Pharma made oxycotton. Oxycontin needs these uh, oxycodone and hydrocodone, which is produced by this subsidiary called right. uh, Normico. And they were producing that from the imports of okay. the poppy and this tea bean from the- alcohol, alkaloid okay. uh, Tasmania, which J&J was also owner of. So, so J- they're all J&J, So J&J has a, the umbrella of ownership over that Purdue... No, 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 no. They no, only okay. were involved up to the point where they made that right. oxyco- oxycodone okay. uh, and the hydrocodone, and then okay. they sold it to these other companies. Okay. These other companies are in this settlement as well, but they needed that raw material from right. Normico. And as yeah. I said, like Normico was producing most of it. They were like they were supplying six by like in twenty twenty. 2015, they produced, supplied 65% of oxycodone, 54% of hydrocodone, and 6% of the morphine and codeine used by drug, ma- drug makers. So they had a monopoly okay. on it. Sorry, I just wanted to have a better yeah, no, understanding no, in fairness, of it. I know no, I when you're, it. it's hard to like wrap your head around it yeah. when I'm saying it now. And so when you were looking into that, and obviously now there is some sort of compensation being paid out to these families i would imagine there's some sort of um 
action lawsuit whatever multiple people involved but what is like have you have you read anything about what would be the next step is there a next step in here or like there's is there no any... next step like that's the once they settle they can't any do any more sue they can't sue them for any more they can't bring any more litigation I, I, I know, but like in, the, in the general in the, in the general sense is there any like a preventive action that we can do is there anything that we learned from i suppose there's better happened? regulations i do think so um, you want to trust the government more is i it? suppose more uh transparent about these trials that actually there is proof that they work in chronic pain treatment mm-hmm. maybe find out which chronic pain they work in rather than yeah. treating everybody addictiveness is definitely i think opioids in general needs to be really careful with because they are so addictive that yeah. you can't just use them to treat anything and um I think that's a big that's a big issue now. They're seeing it now as well uh, in illegal drug drug um uh illegal drug trade because they're mixing as I mentioned one of the other opioids is fentanyl and they're a lot using a lot of um these co- cocaine and other drugs are being mixed with fentanyl because mm-hmm. it's so potent that the yeah. o- overdoses are again are increasing massively. Because um, even when you're thinking that you're buying a a clean coke off the street like yeah and, and it's cut with fentanyl and it's just yeah yeah you might be we might be not ready for it right yeah i seen that john oliver did a good um discussion about that that whole area the opioids well no not opi- he did actually do about purdue and the opioid he crisis he did talk about it but he never mentioned the johnson and johnson i've never exactly. heard it you've seen it as well i've seen that one yeah so it just really blew my mind i was like what they were so involved as well you can't don't put all the blame on the these other companies but you mm. can equally blame j and j so um and it's, what was uh yeah but i do think if you wanted to learn more about the fentanyl i think and that's what he recommends i would say watch john oliver's video um, I won't go into detail here. So, his most recent video. It was uh, a week or two ago. It just okay. basically said he reckoned that they should be allowing them to do drugs in these centers where it's much more safer. Yeah. Uh, and they can like maybe test the drugs. Uh, and as well, there is a for fentanyl overdose or for fentanyl, there is a really good um treatment option available that will if you you're a suspect of having this um fentanyl overdose you mm-hmm. can treat them i can't remember what it is naloxone that's what it's called naloxone it okay. it will completely or partially reverse an opioid overdose so um but it's over the counter so you can't just easily buy that so it's okay. like yeah there they, he was saying they should really make that more readily available yeah because anyway. like if you if you overdose it at home and like you like yeah where are you gonna get it then right yeah it's too, it's too late and people are very afraid they're gonna yeah. get arrested and everything. yeah they're gonna get arrested but, but anyways uh, that's a different other... the area anyways i'm just yeah. saying for this this wasn't an illegal this these opioids they were sending uh selling it was just how uh yeah it was all it was all legal what they did how it got uh became where it is so yeah was it legal it was legal but was it ethical right no definitely was an ethical like and i don't think they can ever that claim that they did they were just they didn't um they they were like it was really heavily regulated they only played a peripheral role we were we were just fulfilling the quotas we weren't the driving force behind the opioid crisis i was like you were (laughs) 
<laughs> you were. You were. Um, yeah, yeah, so that the was... Last, Sorry, the last, the last thing that I wanted to say is just, you know, you mentioned the transparency and it's it's just interesting how everything comes comes down to being, to having, to having your clinical trials well designed, having yeah. this inbuilt transparency in, in the results and be, you know, not being afraid of, you know, sharing your data completely, not being afraid of like, oh, if something doesn't look good, we would have to cancel the cancel the project like look that's the part of it right we we do this the clinical trials are being done just exactly to make sure that nothing too addictive will come out out of it or nothing too damaging will come out of it and if you yeah but if you see clinical trials as a as like a a function of getting your product uh, accepted for use then obviously you're going to try to hide all the negative data because you want to fit the uh, you you want to fit them the the mark right you yeah, want to get yeah. all of your high marks on your on your clinical trials but you want to fit it fit the narrative of what you want it's yeah like a, but like that's not the purpose of the clinical trials the clinical trials mm-hmm. is actually but then like, they really shouldn't have been allowed even in that case situation they shouldn't have been allowed uh get as far as they did but like it, it was kind of they muddied the waters a bit the whole subsidiaries and stuff so there's so much eyes on on farmers now and coming into the future that hopefully no more of these mistakes will resurface like you know 10 15 years later hopefully we will see oh That'll yeah interesting <laughs> the long vaccine effect <laughs> <laughs> don't say it uh yeah so yeah that was my today's story um yeah anything else to add before uh mm, no i think yeah i just don't know if there are any pharma that you can actually trust <laughs> <working>. anymore yeah <laughs> i don't think i'll ever get a job you break my heart to one episode yeah <laughs> uh i'm looking forward to more of these kind of investigative yeah. scientists slash uh journalist yeah um, pieces exactly yeah yeah i was casting my skeptical eye on these these stories they'll be afraid of you oh yeah <laughs> um yeah so that was today's episode then i hope you enjoyed it i hope you enjoyed my investigative uh piece on j and j and how they played a big role in the opioid crisis uh and yeah you gave us a bit a lovely overview of aphasia with bruce willis uh, yes thank so you you broke it down for people to understand uh so yeah that was today's episode i hope you enjoyed it and yeah we'll We'll be back again next time. You're going to do your story. Do you know what you're going to do it on yet? No. No, not yet. Okay. Not and yet. then we we have a guest coming in in uh, after that. So yeah, I'm super excited for that guest. Yeah. That yeah. Should be good. Um, uh, we'll give more maybe next episode. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, uh, yeah. So okay. stay skeptical, guys, and catch you on the next one. Stay skeptical and happy birthday, Dad. Today's your birthday, so happy birthday from your son. I remember. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.